0: Good morning everybody. Welcome to Gospel Saving Church. It's good to be in the house of the Lord. Amen. 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 I want to welcome everybody here in my lovely home in McKinney, my beautiful home in McKinney, Texas. And I want to also welcome everybody from SoundCloud and coming from YouTube. When, When this gets put on YouTube, I'm glad to be in your home today, in your living room or in your car or on your mp3 player or wherever you are. God bless you and Welcome, I'm Pastor Ed Spagnoli, and it's a privilege and an honor for me to stand before you and speak about the Word of the Lord today. It's such a privilege and an honor to be able to talk about God's Word, to be able to teach it. and The wisdom that God gives me week by week by week, I literally start with almost a blank page as far as the sermon goes. I just know the next section of Scripture I'm going to teach is, but I have no idea as usually and as a whole as to what I'm going to teach. So then during the week, over seven days, the Lord prepares those for me, and I get the wisdom and knowledge, and then I bring it to you every Sunday morning. So praise be to God. You guys want to join me in a word of prayer, and then we'll get into our title, and we'll start teaching. Lord, thank you so much for bringing us here today. Thank you so much, Lord God, for your love and for your awesome wisdom, Lord God, because your word says, who knows the mind of God except the Spirit of God? So Lord, I pray that by your Holy Spirit today, you would endow to each one of us that's listening to this message wherever we are in the whole world that you would endow us with your wisdom and your knowledge lord god and help us to understand the things that you would have to tell us because lord unless your holy spirit teach us we shall not know the things of god and so lord unless you teach us by your holy spirit lord we're lost So, Lord, we just pray for your wisdom today to be poured out. Your Holy Spirit would be poured out on this place and and every single ear that it's ever listened to this sermon forever, forever. Just pray your Holy Spirit would give them wisdom and knowledge. And, Lord, lead them and guide them in the pathway of righteousness and justice and truth and salvation. We love you and we praise you. ask that you keep the devil out of our minds today. Lord, we ask you that he would not whisper in our ears, Lord. we ask you for I ask you for a hedge of protection around each one of our minds this morning or whoever's going to be listening to this wherever, Lord, that you keep a hedge of protection by your Holy Spirit around their minds, Lord God, that the devil will not come in and make them think of other things while they're listening to this message, Lord, but just be able to focus on what you're saying here to us. And we ask all these things. We put the seal of all and all, Lord, on these things, Lord. We ask these things all in Jesus' mighty name. If you guys want to open your bibles matthew chapter 13 we're going to be in verses 44 through 46 this morning matthew chapter 13 the title of our message this morning is the seekers and the wanderers yes matthew 13 through 46 the seekers and the wanderers as last week we did we're not going to read through them right at this moment we're going to read through them as right before we're going to teach them. So you guys can pause for a second because I, I have a little correction to make. And I'm kind of so ashamed as I was going through this study this week. I actually am very ashamed. I had said weeks ago that there were five kingdom of heaven is like parables in Matthew chapter 13. And there are actually six, not five. We'll talk about the irony of that in a second. But if we're going to read them over, the kingdom of uh, heaven parables are starting on uh, Matthew 13, 24, another parable he put forth to them saying, the kingdom of heaven is like a man sowed some seed in a field, in his field. That's number one. Number two is verse 31. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed. That's number two. Number three, uh, the kingdom of heaven is like leaven. That's number three. Number four is the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field number five verse 45 the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant seeking beautiful pearls and number six again the kingdom of heaven is like a dragnet so I had said and I apologize I should have been a better steward that there were five and not six and the Lord opened my eyes this week and showed me hey uh, there was six and not five now the irony to this one parable that I missed you're gonna get a kick out of this because I actually although I was wrong the irony to this parable that I missed in teaching about this you know saying that there was only five instead of six is our very first parable in verse 44 look at the irony here again the kingdom and this is the one i believe that i missed when not getting the six and only getting the five again the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden get it treasure hidden i missed this one i said there were five there was a treasure hidden in this one here this would have been the sixth one that i missed um There's no, and where my New King James Version puts it, it puts it as the very last verse on page number 860. At the very bottom, it's only a two-liner, and I didn't have it highlighted. Um, And nevertheless, I should have been a better steward. I should have been a better, you know, scholar. But I confess I'm wrong. Anyway, please forgive me. There are six and not five. Now, today we're going to knock out the the, the two of the last three parables of the kingdom of heaven is like. Our our parables today that we're going to be studying are... In verses 44 and verses 45 and 46, verse 44, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden. That's number one. And our second parables, verses 45 and 46, uh, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant seeking beautiful pearls. Now, just like we talked about last week, we cannot be 100% sure that of what the actual spiritual discerning discernment to these you know, parables are because simply Jesus just didn't teach them. Again, I won't say, thus saith the Lord, this is what they mean, absolutely. Because again, Jesus did not let us know what those meanings were. And nobody can understand the things of God except for God. And we can make our speculations and we can look to the Bible. but And I, I think I've got a pretty good grab on what, told, what God told me that they were. But still, I still won't say, thus saith the Lord, this is what they mean. But I will, for these two parables today, give you the understanding that I believe the Lord has given me, and like last week, I'll be going to the Bible to show you exactly why I believe, you know, what the kingdom of heaven uh, is like here, the treasure hidden and the uh, merchant seeking beautiful pearls, really is in a deeper spiritual understanding of it all. So, saying all that, are we ready to, verse 35, are we ready to hear, and we are are we ready to listen to Jesus opening his mouth in parables to utter things kept secret from the foundation of the world? Not yet. I know I am. I'm ready to hear some secrets kept secret from the foundations of the world by Jesus. So let's read them. Verses 44 through 46. Verse 44, again, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and hid for joy over it. He goes and sells all that he has, and he buys that field. Again, verse 45, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant seeking beautiful pearls. Who when he had found one pearl of great price, he went and sold all that he had and he bought it. So first, just like last week, since we don't know, since we don't have the deeper spiritual understanding from Jesus, we're going to study real quick over, not spend too much time. We're going to look at the physical aspects of these people plus the treasure in these first two parables. So the first parable, the parable of the hidden treasure. Jesus says that number one about this characteristic, about this treasure hidden, that the treasure was hidden in a field. Okay. Notice this is an action. Notice that the treasure was hidden by somebody. That's what we can read there easily. It was a treasure hidden in a field. Okay, So somebody had to hide that treasure in order for somebody to find that treasure. Number two, characteristic. A man found it. He hid it in that same field. And this guy here, the the thing to know about him is he just was walking by and he just found it. You don't have to be looking for something in order to find something. As you're just walking along, you can just notice something on the ground and say, Oh, hey, what's that? and then he picks it up and he finds it. So this man here, just wandering through this field, and he just notices this treasure. Number three, his his attitude towards finding this treasure, he is joyous because he finds this treasure. And number four, he's so joyous that he finds this treasure that he goes and he sells all that he has to go and buy the field that this treasure is hidden in. So this treasure was so important to this guy. Think about it, that he sold all that he had to go and buy this treasure that he wasn't even looking for. All right, second parable, the pearl of great price. Number one characteristic, we have a merchant. You know, a merchant, he's a buyer and a seller. He's a merchant. He's a businessman. Number one, Number two, he was on a mission. What was his mission? He was seeking beautiful gems, beautiful pearls. He was seeking. He was on a mission. He was diligently going out and just to do this, he was on a mission. I'm going to go find beautiful pearls. I'm going to go find awesome treasure. Number three characteristic, he finds this one pearl of great price, Jesus tells us. He was seeking the treasure, and he finds a pearl that blows his mind. And after he finds this priceless pearl, what does he do again? He can't afford it with what he owns, with what he has on him. So he goes off and he sells all that he has just to buy this priceless gem. Jesus gives us his attitude and how and why, what you know, once he finds this pearl of great price, Jesus gives us his attitude. Now, it was so important to him that he goes and sells all that he has and he buys it. When we examine the common and the uncommon ideas these parables share, there are some powerful related ideas in scripture, and I want to look at them. Number one, what are the related and unrelated, both? Uh, ideas to these parables because that's why we did them together because they have related ideas and they have one unrelated idea. We have one one man diligently seeking a treasure, okay, and he found one. Another man was just wandering around and he found a treasure. We we can see that in scripture in in places a lot of places. Number two, despite the way each man found this treasure it was priceless to them once they found it. It was so priceless to them, despite no matter how they found it, that's not important, that's not actually important how they found it. What is important is once they found it, it was so important to them that they went and sold all that they had just to buy it. Think of how important Think of how priceless this treasure that Jesus is talking about here must have been. I mean, after all, you know, think of any time in your life that you wish you'd have had something so bad you would have sold all that you had, basically become a street person, basically become homeless, to lose all your worldly possessions just to get something that was so valuable you just had to have it. That's a pretty priceless treasure, if you ask me. That is one pretty priceless treasure, absolutely. When I look at these key physical aspects of these parables, especially the responses of the seekers and wanderers when they found those treasures, it causes me to think of the way some seekers and some wanderers acted when they found a certain individual about 2,000 years ago. I believe again that the priceless hidden treasure in this parable and this priceless pearl of great price are none other than Jesus Christ, again, as the kingdom of heaven, as the representation of the kingdom of heaven on earth. Let me explain why I believe this. Let's consider this idea, this this possible spiritual, deeper spiritual meaning of this section of Scripture. Let's explore this in Scripture and see see what we think. And see if it's just coincidence how the seekers and wanderers, because yes, in the New Testament of our Bible, if we read it, Matthew through John, we absolutely see people seeking Jesus, and we absolutely see people just wandering around, and then Jesus finds them, or they want, or they, Jesus walks by them, and all of a sudden it's just, it's just like, oh my gosh, I got to have and I got to be with that person. Yeah. So let's look at a, let's look at the way certain people acted when they found Jesus Christ. And you make your own determination. Again, those thus saith the Lord's here, thus saith the Lord here. But we'll see if there's any, if, if there's any, you know, coordination between. What we read here in these parables versus how people acted in the New Testament when they came upon or when they were seeking Jesus. Four sets of people come to my mind when we start looking at the common and uncommon ideas in these parables. Who are they, you may be saying? Number one, Zacchaeus during Jesus' ministry. Number two, the wise men at Jesus' birth. Number three, believe it or not, a rich young ruler. And number four, some of Jesus' very own disciples. Actually, four to six of Jesus' own disciples. We see this. We're going to look at their reactions. And we're going to see if we can see the fact that Jesus is this hidden treasure here. And this pearl of great price that this merchant was seeking. So, if you guys want to go and let's look at the seeker Zacchaeus in Luke 19 and be verses one through ten. Luke 19 verses one through ten. And again, I say, remember, you know, I, I'm not necessarily sold out as the fact that this is what this says. Are there other deeper spiritual meanings to this? To these parables, probably. But this is just one that we're going to examine today because we really see this idea of what are the ideas of these parables in Scripture. So Luke 19, 1 through 10. I'm going to read it and just keep an eye on the focusing on the responses of the people as they find Christ. Not heaven. They're not finding heaven. But they're finding Christ. Let's look at how they act when they find Christ. Luke 19, verse 1. Then Jesus entered and passed through Jericho. Now behold, there was a man there named Zacchaeus, who was a chief tax collector. And he was rich. That says a lot about him. Because as a tax collector, and I've explained this before, being rich as a tax collector, they could have been. But when it says that he was a chief tax collector and and he was rich. He was beyond rich. He had exploited people for a long, long, long time. This guy was one of the most wicked people that lived in Jesus' day. Zacchaeus was most likely a Jew. I believe he was actually Jesus. I think the Lord just reminded me, he was a Jew. He was actually a son of Abraham, just like all the other Jews. But the, the hard thing about tax collectors is, is that they were tax collecting their own from their own people. And if Caesar said, take a dollar a week from them, and then everything else you get to keep, tax collectors, what they did a lot of times is they didn't just take that dollar. They took two or three or four or five dollars from those peoples. And then that's how they became rich. And then they only had to give a dollar to Caesar. And then they kept the rest for themselves. So this guy Zacchaeus here was a chief, tax collector. That probably meant that he was above and ruled over other text collectors and that other text collectors probably paid him to be like their, you know, main guy that they reported to before Caesar. Okay, so he was a chief tax collector and he was rich. Now look at, look at what he, look at what it says about Zacchaeus. Verse three, and he sought to see who Jesus was. Do you see that he was seeking Jesus here? The seeker of Zacchaeus and he sought to see who Jesus was, but he could not because of the crowd, for he's, he was of short stature. So that tells us another thing about this guy. So he was a seeker, he was seeking Jesus, but he was short. So now he could have just been seeking Jesus and he kind of heard that you know Jesus was coming and he couldn't see anything. So, what he could have done, he could have just said, Oh. I'll wait for the next time that Jesus passes. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll be on the front of the crowd the next time Jesus passes. I'll just catch him then. But he says here he couldn't see because he was short. Verse 4. So what did he do? Did he wait till the next time that Jesus came? Did he wait to just hear about Jesus from somebody else that was in the front row? Verse 4. So he ran ahead and climbed up in a sycamore tree to see him he, Jesus, was going to pass by that way. Now look at what he did. He was seeking diligently. He was seeking with emotion, with power. I've got to find this guy. I've got to know who this guy is. Who is he? And it caused him in his seeking parallel. Think about the pearl of great price. Merchants seeking beautiful pearls. Zacchaeus maybe didn't know that Jesus was who he said he was but he was sure wanting to find out. So he went and he, and he sought so hard that he went and ran ahead of Jesus where you know he wasn't inclined up in a tree. Could you imagine climbing up in a tree? All you'd be able to do is get to see him. You wouldn't even be able to touch him. You maybe could yell at him but you remember you had this huge crowd that was following him. Verse five, and when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and saw him and said to him, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down for today. I must stay at your house. Now look at Jesus. You think Jesus knew that Zacchaeus was a wicked man? He knew his name. How did Jesus know his name? Well, as he's God in the flesh and he knew everything. So he knew he knew this guy, and what did he say? Hey, come down, for today I'm gonna to eat at your house. Verse 6, so he made haste. God says here in his word, so he made haste, Zacchaeus made haste and came down and received him joyfully. So he didn't just, you know, I'll, I'll be down in a minute. I'll be down there when i can I'll, I'll i'll get down there you know you want to be careful when you're climbing down out of a tree because if you climb down too fast you could do what you could hurt yourself so no but no here the bible records this and we have to look at these details it says that he made haste to come down and to be with jesus now remember the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant seeking beautiful pearls when he had found one pearl of great price he went and sold all that he had and bought it he went after he found that great pearl and he went he went real fast and right away he went and sold all that he had look at Jesus, uh, Zacchaeus made haste and came down and received him joyfully but when they here we got verse 7 the religious leaders when they saw it they all complained saying he has gone in to be the guest of a man who was a sinner then Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, because now they had spent some time together. Zacchaeus not only got a chance to see him, but now we got a chance to spend some time with Jesus. So let's, so let's look at what happens when Zacchaeus finds Jesus, not just from afar, not just seeing him from afar, but he actually sits down and he gets to spend some time with him. And he realizes that Jesus is something more than maybe even what he thought. Verse 8, Then Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Lord, look! I give half of all my goods to the poor and if I have taken anything from anyone by false accusation, I restore it fourfold. And in case you don't know what that means, he did take from people. And he did... Have false accusations, and he did do all those things. So although we read and say that he gave half his goods to the poor and he'd restore fourfold, really what that meant was he was given everything he illegally took from anybody back. He basically went from a very rich man to a very, 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 very poor man. He went from what the world would consider the top of the food chain. In one moment, he went to the bottom of the food chain. And look at what Jesus says to him in verse 9. Here we go. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because he also is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man did, has come to seek and to save that which was lost. So the man, after he found Jesus Christ for real, and said, spent some time with him and realized Jesus was who he said he was. Went and basically, you could say, sold all that he had and went and he came to Jesus. Any coincidence that we find that account in the Bible when this seeker Zacchaeus found Jesus, who I would say I'll say this again at the end of the, of the of the message that although maybe I can't say thus saith the Lord that Jesus is this merchant and this you know. Uh, man in the field, or this great treasure, this, excuse me, that Jesus isn't this pearl of great price and this treasure hidden. Although we can't say, thus saith the Lord to that. I will say there's a lot of coincidences here. And I will say that Jesus is, no matter what, a beautiful and precious gift to mankind. So we could definitely say that. So let's look at second example, the seekers, or the wise men, in Matthew chapter 2, verses 1, 2, and 9, and 11. So if you guys want to go to Matthew chapter 2 and look at chapter 2, verses 1 and 2, and 9 and 11, we're going to skip some just for time restraint. I'm not going to, go, I'm not going to read the whole of chapter 2. I've already done that before. I believe it's called... Uh, I actually I don't remember the name of the sermon, but we did that back in the beginning of Gospel Saving Church. It's on the website if you want to go... Look at it. So Matthew chapter 2, and what I want you to look at in this section, uh, these seekers, the wise men, I want you to focus on the depths of the devotion that these guys showed once they found what, or they, they kind of examined and they, they were seeking, who they found, and then what happened once they found Jesus. Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. Now after Jesus was born, so now Jesus is in the world, in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king. Behold, wise men came from the east, and they came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east have come to worship him. Like I mentioned in my message uh, over a year ago when I studied Matthew chapter 2 in Gospel Saving Church, for these guys to be noticing, number one, a star. They said, We've seen this your star in the east. So that, that meant that they were from the West, I believe, from the east. So they were in the East, okay, So they were, these were Eastern people. For them to see Jesus' star, they had to be gazing and looking constantly to, to check out and see the star. Every night, they were going out and they were going, man, look at the stars. Do we see the one? Do we see the one? Do we see the one? No, I don't see the one tonight. All right, well, let's check later. Maybe it's going to be a late star. And so they were going out every night, for God knows who, how long they were going out every night seeking this star that they believed to be the star of the one that was going to come to bring salvation to the earth. So they, who knows how many years they went out of their house and they were gazing at the stars through their telescopes or whatever forms of viewing that they had looking for this star. These guys were seeking. They were seeking the Messiah, though. They were seeking Him. And here, Matthew chapter two, they saw it. So they came from the east. Well, this was not an easy journey. Remember, this could have taken them months to go to Jerusalem, and they weren't even Jews. Most likely, they were a pagan de- descendant. They were of the eastern peoples who worshipped false gods. These guys came months in a caravan, a huge amount of caravan, to see Jesus. This wasn't a get in your car and drive down the street for five minutes and go see this. What this 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 novelty that somebody told you about. This is a month-long journey that they went on just to find this Messiah. And they come to Herod, which again, like I mentioned in that sermon, who was a wild and crazy man, and basically the kind of the world knew it. And so chances are they knew that if they went to him, there would be a chance that they could not come back because Herod was that crazy. He just killed people out of a whim, murdered people. And they tell him, for we have seen his star in the east and have come to do what? To worship him. What is their reaction to seeing this star? What is their reaction as they're seeking this Jesus, this Messiah? We've come to worship him. That's a pretty extreme response to, to somebody they've never met before. That's a pretty extreme response. And they sure gave up a lot just to go find Jesus, didn't they? They sure gave up a lot see what happens when they find him. Verses, verse 9 through 11. When they had heard the king, they departed. And behold, the star which they had seen in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. Verse 10. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. Now go back to your parables. Which a man found that was hidden. And for joy he went and he goes and sells all that he has and buys it. And look at here. Verse 46, who when he went and he found one pearl of great price, went and sold all that he had and bought it. Look at the joy. You're not going to go find, you're not going to go sell all you have and buy something that makes you miserable. They were joyful when they found the pearl of great price. They were joyful when they found the treasure hidden in the field. In verse 10, the wise men, when they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. Verse 11, And when they had come into the house, they saw the young child with with Mary, his mother, and fell down. And what did they do? They worshipped Him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented gifts to Him, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. So what did they do? They gave up everything. They gave up their lives to come and see this great Messiah that was going to be born. And then when they came they gave him priceless they gave him priceless articles here gold frankincense and myrrh and they gave him priceless things once they found him and when they found the star they they found they were exceedingly great and they were exceedingly joyful so we definitely absolutely see that they were seeking the messiah they were seeking Jesus and when they found him they just they surrendered all. They fell down. These would have been older men. These wouldn't have been younger men, most likely. These would have been older men, wise men. They were. They were very, in, in, you know, intelligent, studious, and they worshipped a, a boy that was three years old or under. Could you imagine worshiping a child three years old and under? I can't even fathom it to this day. I, I just can't. I, I, I don't even know what I would do. A child. I mean, you know, of course, I wasn't seeking in a way that they were. And, of course, I wasn't in their time periods. Anyway, we definitely absolutely see a, a total coincidence here, if you want to call it a coincidence. Or you can say, wow, that really lines up amazingly with our parables today. And before we get to the Wanderers, I want you to look at one more account, one more. Look at what Jesus even said to a rich young ruler who was seeking the treasure of heaven. Okay. This rich young ruler comes to Jesus, but he wasn't seeking Jesus per se. He was seeking heaven. He was seeking you know, eternal reward. He was seeking to be with God forever. Mark chapter 10, verses 17 through 22. We read, Now as he was going out on the road, Jesus, one came running and knelt down before him and asked, Good teacher. What shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? Well, that's heaven. What may I do that I may inherit, not you, not you. I'm not coming to you, per se, so that I can worship you because you are, you know, God. But what he wanted to know is he knew he was from God. And he wanted to know, how do I get to heaven, Jesus? How do I get to heaven? That's what I really want. I really want heaven. That's what I really want. Verse 18 So Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? No one's good but one that is God. And you know the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not murder. Don't steal. Do not bear false witness. Don't defraud anyone. Honor your father and your mother. Verse 20, and he answered and said, "In teacher, all these I've kept from my youth. Jesus tells him. He hears all that the guy says he did, whether it was lip service or not. I tend to think it was lip service. There's no way anybody can keep all those commandments from their youth. We're all sinners. And not that I make an excuse for sin, but these things are just natural habits of our flesh. So this guy says, all these I've kept from my youth, teacher. Notice he just calls him teacher. So he doesn't think anything exceptional about him other than he knows he's a teacher of God's law. Verse 21, Then Jesus, looking at him, loved him, and said to him, One thing you lack. Now look at the one thing that Jesus is going to tell him that he lacks as far as, you know, getting to heaven, or actually one thing he lacks as far as, let's look, one thing you let go your way, sell whatever you have and give it to the poor, because Jesus really knew his God, and his God was money, his God was possessions, that's whom he worshipped, so Jesus, of course, attacks the very first thing that the guy, that he knows that the guy's in his heart, and that he's worshipping money, and he's worshipping treasures, and he says, one thing you let go, sell all you have, give it to the poor, and look now, That doesn't get him heaven, and you will have treasure in heaven. He didn't say that that was going to allow him to inherit eternal life. He did not say that that was going to be how he got to be in heaven. He just said that you will have treasure in heaven. And then look what Jesus tells him next. Jesus tells him exactly what we see here in our parables. And come, after you've done that, he says, and come, take up the cross and follow me. You see, because Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life, and no man comes to the Father except through me. So he tells them the real way to get to heaven, come, take up the cross, and come and follow me. This, Jesus knew, was eternal life. But look at this guy. He was sad at this word, and he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. And I say again, remember... This guy wasn't seeking Jesus, he was seeking eternal life, and he knew that Jesus had great words and he had been teaching a lot of good stuff about God, but he didn't quite know who Jesus was, but he knew that Jesus had something to do with getting to heaven, he just wasn't sure what. So he was seeking eternal life in heaven, not Christ. But Christ here confirms the idea of himself being the pearl of the of great price and the hidden treasure by telling him that he had to follow him and die to himself. When you take up your cross, you only took up your cross for one reason. And that was to die on that cross. You weren't taking up the cross because you were going on vacation. You weren't taking up that cross because you were going to go have a party. You were taking up that cross because you were going to die in the flesh. And then Jesus said, go die, come and follow me. Die in your flesh and follow me. He tells them that he had to follow him and surrender all in, in death to his flesh in order to get to heaven. That's what Jesus told him. Look at these guys who found this great treasure. When he had found one pearl of great price, he went and sold all that he had and he bought this treasure he went and sold all that he had and sold this and bought this great treasure. Now, let's look at the wanderers. Let's look at some of Jesus' own disciples. Now, look at the fact of they weren't seeking Jesus either. I want you to focus on this. Look whom they were doing. Look what they were doing. They really weren't seeking anybody. They were really kind of wandering around. They were with a godly man, a couple of them, some of them. But look at what they were doing. They were not seeking Jesus. But look at how they acted once they found Jesus. If you guys want to go to John, the Gospel of John, chapter 1, verses 35 through 50. And we're going to see how some of the disciples acted that weren't seeking Jesus, but they were wandering around. But how they reacted once they found Jesus, John, Chapter 1, verses 35 through 50. And the Bible records, Again the next day, John stood with two of his disciples. Notice whose disciples that they were. They weren't Jesus' disciples. They weren't disciples of the Pharisees. They were disciples of John the Baptist, which was a godly man. I mean, no, no doubt, John was a godly man. And these disciples were hanging out with their master, you would call him, John the Baptist, verse 36. And looking at Jesus as he walked by, he said, Behold, the Lamb of God. So that was what John said about Jesus Christ when he saw them. Behold, the Lamb of God. Verse 37. The two disciples heard him speak. And they followed Jesus. So they weren't with Jesus. They weren't even looking for Jesus. They were just hanging out with their master, John the Baptist. John the Baptist says the word, and all of a sudden they start to follow him. Verse 38, and Jesus turned, and he's seeing them, following them, said, What do you seek? And they said to him, Rabbi, which is to say, when translated teacher, where are you staying? So they found, they, they kind of found this treasure that was kind of just happened to walk by them. And they start to follow this teacher. And, they, and, and he says, what are you seeking? And they said, well, we want to know where you're staying. But notice they weren't seeking him. Verse 39. Then he came to them and he said to them, excuse me, come and see. And, and look, they walked away. Oh, nope. They came and saw where he was staying and remained with him that day, for it was about the 10th hour. Now, at that time, they went, and they only stayed with him that day, okay? So, verse 40, so that was those guys, a couple, that was a disciple or two. Uh, One of the two who heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. Simon Peter, he sounds pretty familiar, doesn't he? 41, he first found his own brother, Simon, and said to him, we found the Messiah. What did they say? What did they just say? Peter. We just found the treasure! Peter, we just found the great treasure! Which is translated, the Christ. We found the Messiah, which is translated the Christ. And he brought him to see Jesus. So here we have Cephas, Peter. He wasn't seeking Jesus either. His brother had to go to him. Cephas, Peter, one of the greatest disciples of all Jesus' original twelve, wasn't even with John the Baptist seeking God. He was kind of off doing his own thing, probably fishing. So his brother Andrew has to go to him and say, We found him! (gasps) Look, they spent some time with Jesus. They just stayed for him that one day. We found him! And then what they did, they had to bring him (laughs) to Jesus. Now when Jesus looked at him, he said, You are Simon, son of Jonah. You shall be called Cephas, which is translated as stone. That was those guys. Philip and Nathaniel, verse 43. The following day, Jesus wanted to go to Galilee, and he found Philip and said to him, Follow me. Notice that Philip wasn't seeking Jesus either. He had to go find Philip. Look at that. Philip was just wandering around. Verse 44. Now Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, We found him. So Philip spent some time with Jesus and look what he thought about this treasure. We have found him of whom Moses and the law and also the prophets wrote Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. That was his response. To find in this treasure. And if in case you're wondering, the son of Joseph, that means the Messiah. That means the Christ. The son of David. The son of Joseph. That was a representation. That was a a title of the Christ. The title of the Messiah. We found him. Come and see. You know, they're saying, come and see. And of course, verse 46, as this skeptical wanderer, Nathaniel, Nathaniel said to him, Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Look, he didn't find that treasure yet. He was just wandering around, and this guy comes to him and says, Dude, you got to come see! He's just hanging out. Dude, really? Has anything ever good come out of Nazareth? He's like doubting, skeptical doubting. Philip said to him, Come and see! That's his response. I could feel the power there. Verse 47. Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him and said to him, Behold, an Israelite indeed in whom is no deceit. Verse forty, verse forty-eight. Nathaniel said to him, "How do you know me?" There's no reverence there. There's no worship there. there. How do you know me, dude? I could, I could see myself doing that. Somebody comes to me, dude, you're, you're Pastor Ed. I've heard you, on, I've heard you on SoundCloud. I've seen your videos on YouTube, and I'd look at them and go, "Oh, hi, nice to meet you. Uh, who are you?" They're, they're, they found me. Huh? Jesus answered and said to him, "Behold, Philip." or before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. So it's like, whoa, wait a minute now. Hold on. You saw me when I was underneath this fig tree? Nobody was around me. Philip's going, I'm out. Uh, or Nathaniel's going, I was just kind of hanging out and you saw me? And then look at Nathaniel after he found who it was was talking to him. Verse 49, Nathaniel answered and said to him, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. Look at, he found the treasure. What did he say? You are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. He found the treasure, guys. You could see it. You could hear it in his voice. He found the treasure. He wasn't looking for the treasure, though. He was just wandering around. But he found it, didn't he? Look at how he found it. Look at his response. And look at verse 50. Jesus is like, dude, we got a long way to go. Jesus answered and said to him, "Because I said to you, you saw me under the fig tree. Do you believe? You will see greater things than these." And he said to him, "Most assuredly, I say to you, hereafter you shall see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending upon me, the Son of Man." You think it's you think it's awesome that I said I saw you when there was nobody there. I know everything, Phil. I know everything, Nathaniel. I know everything. You are absolutely right. I am the Son of God. I am the Messiah. And in case you're skeptical, think well, those, those disciples, you know, some of them, they, they only stayed with Him. You know, you said, Pastor, they only stayed with them one day. They didn't, what, what did they really give up? Well, look to Matthew chapter 4 to Jesus' second encounter with some of Jesus, with his own disciples. They hadn't really decided to follow him yet. Okay, because we see them off in a different picture now. They're not with Jesus still. They're off a little different now. Matthew chapter 4, 18 through 22. But look what they gave up when Jesus gave them the command to come and follow him. Matthew 4, 18... And Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brothers. Simon called Peter and Andrew his brother. Now we just, like I said, this is their second encounter. Casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Verse 20, look what they did. They immediately left their nets and followed him. You want to talk about giving up something, they immediately dropped everything that they were doing, and they went and they followed Jesus. Verse 21, going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James the son of Zebedee and John his brother, this would be James and John, the sons of thunder, in the boat with Zebedee, their father. So they were in the boat with their father mending their nets. Now, I don't know if you know this, but in their culture, hanging out with your dad, your dad was the most respected man of your whole household. You don't just leave your dad. If you're serving with your dad, you're serving your dad, you stay there with your dad. Anything else is total disrespect of your father. But look at Jesus here. Mending their nets, Jesus called to them, and immediately they left the boat and their father, Bible records that you know that there's no coincidence there they left the boat and their father and they followed him so look another picture they spent that little time with Jesus before but now when he gives them the firm call for discipleship what do they do they drop everything in their world that matters to them and they come and they follow Jesus In case you're wondering, like I said earlier, all these men ended up staying with Christ and were some of the original apostles that lived sold-out lives to Jesus Christ unto their deaths. These weren't just temporary people. These were guys that lived it out until the end. Most of them all but John died martyrs' deaths, which means for their belief in Christ, they all were killed. Because they they were following Jesus and proclaiming the good news of the gospel. So not only did they give up all of everything in their earthly lives to follow him, most of them all but John, and church history has it that John was tried to be put to death, but it just didn't happen, God didn't allow it. And they not only gave up all that was in their earthly lives to follow God, they gave up their very lives themselves to follow Jesus Christ. Finding the hidden treasure of Christ Jesus caused them to sell all that they had just to be with Jesus. It caused them to give up all that they had in order just to be with Jesus. And to confirm, even though still yet, you're saying, well, I'd like to follow Jesus. Well, Jesus has words for us here. And the words that you know, were unsaid to these guys, but these guys understood Him because they knew Jesus was this beautiful treasure. Jesus says in Luke 14, 33, we can see exactly what Jesus said to the rich young ruler when He says, Whoever of you does not forsake all that he has cannot be My disciple. And we know that only disciples are the ones that are saved because disciples are followers of Christ. And only those that decide to follow Christ are the ones that actually are saved because there's nobody that just says, I follow Jesus and doesn't follow Him. And then they're not walking with God because they don't do what 1 John says. If you don't do the things that He did, if you don't walk like He walked, you're not of Him. So we know here we see these parables. Now you can say a coincidence, Pastor Ed, I I can kind of see, but... That's fine. That's absolutely fine. Again, I don't say thus saith the Lord to any of this because Jesus did not teach it. But that is why I think in my heart that this pearl of great price and this treasure hidden in a field were none other than Jesus Christ. But doesn't matter. doesn't matter at all. If you want to believe something different, you think God's shown you something different, praise God. As long as it doesn't go against Scripture, then you can believe it. Just consider this one, okay? Absolutely. But whether or not Jesus Christ is the hidden treasure or the pearl of great price doesn't change the fact that, like I said earlier, He is absolutely the most priceless treasure that God ever gave to mankind. Absolutely. And not only just a priceless treasure, the most precious treasure treasure and jewel that God and any gift, any gift you could ever get from God, any gift that you could ever get from any person, Jesus Christ is the most precious jewel even above all those and one that absolutely should be sought out above anything else in your life that you could ever think to want to have or ever attain. He is the most precious jewel you could ever, ever, ever attain. Oh, you may be asking, is he a priceless treasure? How? Pastor, he's a man lived 2,000 years ago. How is he a priceless treasure? I don't understand how. Well, I want you to look at this priceless treasure that I believe God hid in the field of the world, and I want you to look at what he did for you. And I'd like to ask any one of us, even including myself, have we ever met Jesus face-to-face? And I'll say no. And if anybody has... Praise God, keep going because He decided to reveal Himself to you that way. But I've never met Jesus face to face, therefore, He has never met me face to face. Now, I ask you, how much would you give up for somebody that you've never met face to face? Somebody that you think you've talked to, you know, I, I believe I've talked to God, but I've certainly never talked to Him and saw His lips moving seen the color of his eyes and his hair color, and looked at him square in the face and gave him a hug. I never did that. And therefore, neither has he done that for me. Okay? So look at what he did, never meeting you, you never meeting him. Look at what he did for you. Romans 5, 6-9. through 9. For when we were still without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. So Christ, someone that you've never met, died for you, and we're all ungodly. Okay? Period. The end. Christ, whom you've never met, never met you, died for you and me, because we're all ungodly. Verse 7. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die. Because, I mean, you think about it. You know, I might. I might. If you had a guy the most Popular guy in all the world, the most humblest guy in all the world, the most loving person in all the world, and I see somebody sticking a gun in his chest, I might just even think about jumping in front of that bullet and saving that guy's life. Just because, you know, I know he's probably a more righteous guy than I. I just might. I I don't know. I just might. So that's why John or Paul writes here For scarcely for a righteous man would one die, yet perhaps for a good man. Would someone even dare to die? You know, for a good man, maybe even more, you know, maybe more. But verse 8. But God demonstrates his own love toward us and that while we were yet still sinners, still punching God in the face with our sin, living it up, adultery, fornication, lewdness, lying, stealing, You name it. While we were all still doing that, not only did he die for us not meeting us, but he also died for us being the most wicked person that you'd ever want to meet. But he demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for you. It says us, but I'll say you and me and everybody in the face of the planet. Much more than having been justified by His blood, we shall be saved from wrath through Him. That's why He did it. Although He'd never met you and you'd never met Him, although you were the most wicked and evil person in all the planet earth, Christ died for the ungodly and that's all of us. For scarcely for a righteous man would one die hardly for a good man, but Christ died for the scum of the earth so that we may be justified by His blood and saved from God's wrath through Him. So why is Jesus the most precious, the most priceless pearl or treasure that anybody could have? Because before you ever knew Him, before we ever even knew His name, we had already sinned and He had already died for all of our sins so that we could be justified by His blood and saved from the wrath of God by Him. Now you tell me, what love do you know in your life that's greater than that love? Put Himself in your place on that cross and died for you a place where we should have stood and died for our own sins. Greater love has never been known in all the world than what Christ did and showed for us on that cross. So today I'd like to ask each and every one person that's listening to examine themselves today. Please examine yourself today. Would you consider yourself a seeker? Would you consider yourself a wanderer? Or maybe you consider yourself none of the above. Now, if you're listening to this message today, then whether you are seeking Jesus as the merchant or just wandering around like the man in the field, you have heard about this priceless treasure of Jesus Christ. And in essence, today, you've found him. Because you found what he did for you. You found him. You know who he is. You know what he did for you. It's all right there on the plate, sitting there before you at the dinner table. It's all right there for you. Now, the big question. The question of your lifetime. Anybody that's listening, ask yourself this question. What are you going to do now that you have found him? Are you going to be like Zacchaeus? Who, when he even just thought that he was coming, ran up and climbed up a tree, just so he could see him. Then when Jesus acknowledged him, practically falling down the tree, could have broke a leg. (laughs) Practically falling down a tree, fell down almost climbed down so fast, had to see Jesus that bad. Are you going to be like that? Are you going to be like that? Are you going to ask Jesus to come and eat with you? Are you going to say, Jesus, let's go eat together. Let's become one together. That's what Zacchaeus was asking. Let's become one together. Are you going to be like him? Maybe you're like the, maybe you're like the fisherman, his disciples, wandering around, and you, you hear this message, and you're like, wow, I never knew that treasure was so great, but now I know about it. Are you going to start to follow him? Are you going to start to follow him? Are you going to go, hey, where are you staying? Jesus, we need to know. And then after you spend some time with him, Lord, you are who you said you are. And then are you going to give everything, like Zacchaeus, like the fishermen, like his disciples, are you going to give everything to him? Are you going to surrender all to him like they did? Or are you going to be like the rich young ruler who when he found even though he wasn't looking, he was a neutral. He was just wanting to go to heaven. Lot, I know a lot of people that way. Hey, well, I really just, I want to go to heaven, man. I, I just want to be in heaven. Really? What about Jesus? What about God? Man, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I just want to go to heaven. So when you find him, if you found him today, as you're finding him today, you're going to be like the rich young ruler because he says, deny self, pick up cross, and follow after me. Jesus said, all those that want to follow after me must do these things. Are you going to sell all that you have, or are you going to walk away like the rich young ruler did? Because he, he was he had great possessions. I I can't sell all that I have. I can't sell all that I have. I've got too much. I got too much at stake to follow you, Jesus. I can't do that. I can't do that. You don't know the things that I have. You don't know, I'm a millionaire. You just don't know. Follow you, you're homeless, you're poor. I'd have to be scorned by the world and the world may may not love me and oh my gosh, I have so many things. Which one are you going to be like? God gives you this choice today. What are you going to do with it? I plead with you today. Will you come to Christ now and surrender all of yourself to Him and put your trust in Him totally and not the things that you have? Will you sell all and give all of yourself and all of this life away just to buy Christ Jesus as the treasure hidden in the field or the pearl of great price, just like those people did in our example I ask you please to turn to him now away from your sinfulness. It's called repentance. Turning away from self, just like these guys did, just like the merchant, just like the man in the field. They turned away from everything. They gave up everything that they had just to buy those priceless treasures that they had on this earth. Just to buy, just to be with, just to attain that hidden treasure in that pearl of great price. Will you come to Him today? Will you apologize to Him for the ways in which you've sinned against Him? Will you give Him your heart and your soul? Will you come to Christ and fall down in your heart and say, God, I need You. I'm sorry. I've offended You. All these things in this life, I don't care about them. Take them all. I just need Jesus. I just need Jesus. Because He's waiting for every person on the planet to do this. Maybe you'd say you've already found the treasure of Christ before this message. My question to you then, one thing we didn't talk about in the message in this aspect, look at what happened to this man in the field and look at what happened to this merchant that was seeking beautiful pearls. What happened to them once they found that treasure? It caused a change in their lives. It changed their hearts so much to find this great priceless treasure that they gave up all just to have this priceless treasure. Has your life changed? If you say, well, I found that treasure. I've found, I found the pearl already. I, 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 I've been having that for 20 years. Has your life changed? Like the merchant that was seeking the beautiful pearls. I'm like the man in the field, has your life changed? Remember, they sold all that they had just to have it. And if they were that great of treasures, God just showed this to me, then just the poor man with a few trinkets certainly couldn't have sold everything he had in order to buy the wealth that it would have costed to buy those things. So these people in these parables here had some wealth. They weren't just poor beggars. So they actually cost them a lot to give up their earthly things to buy these priceless treasures. And if you're not, if your life hasn't changed, and you say you found the beautiful pearl, if you found the hidden treasure, if that's true, and you you say, yes, I have. But no, my life's not changed. And I tell you today that you're not fooling God or Christ or really hardly anybody. They know if you've forsaken all to follow Christ. If you're faking it, God knows it. In the accounts with Zacchaeus and the disciples, we see a picture of men that totally surrendered all and started to follow Jesus Christ. Is that how you would talk about your life? Is that how you would talk about how you live? I've surrendered all. I don't care about anything I had. Take it all and I'm just following Jesus? Yeah. Or, or would you just say, oh, I mean, I believe in Him. You know, I'm, you know I believe in Him. I, I know Him. You know, I believe in Him. And if that's you, and your life hasn't changed, then you're deceiving yourself. And maybe some of those around you, maybe you've been able to, you know, maybe you've been able to pull the wool over their eyes a little bit. You know, make me, you know, they might look at you and go, oh, you know, well, he's kind of righteous. Yeah, he says he's a Christian but you're deceiving yourself and only maybe some of those around you, but not, certainly not, God Almighty and Jesus Christ. They know the real truth about you. And if that's you today, if that's you today, then I ask you to please be honest with yourself. Come clean before God Almighty and you tell Him where you're at. You tell Him the truth about who you are. You tell Him What's going on? How you realize this about yourself. And then he's going to say, Repent and turn away from this evil, fake lifestyle that you're living before all the others and turn to me and come and buy from me gold and jewels and rubies. Come come to me and buy those things from me. Forget about your life. Give it all away and come and follow my son, Jesus Christ. And surrender yourself completely to Him. Please. Because the truth is, Jesus, this great priceless treasure, is 10,000% worth it. Giving all that you are away just to follow Him. He's 10 million percent worth it. And you won't be sorry for what you did. Would you pray with me? Lord Jesus, thank you, Lord God, for your words today. Thank you, Lord God. I see it anyway, Lord, that you are the priceless treasure, Lord, here hidden in the field, and you are the priceless pearl of great price, Lord God, that the merchants sook and found, Lord. We, I see, Lord, absolutely in this world today, we have people that are seeking to know you, and Lord God, we have people that are just wandering around. Either way, Lord, You draw us all, Lord. Your Word says that You draw all men to Yourself, Lord. We know we can't come to You unless You draw us. But Lord, we have to decide then, once we find You, whether we're seeking You or whether we just happen to chance upon You, we have to then decide, what am I going to do with this great treasure that I have found? What am I going to do with this pearl of great price that I have just found? Am I going to be the rich man? And am I going to be, or am I going to be a disciple? Or am I going to be Zacchaeus? Was we each have a choice, Lord. We each have a decision. Whom are we going to be? Who will we serve? Will we serve the things that we own? Will we serve the things that we have? Or will we forsake all? Luke 14, Will we forsake all and come and follow you, Jesus? God, I pray you'd open people's hearts that are listening and watching this right now. And Lord, I pray that you would show them, show them these things. Reveal yourself in a mighty way to them as they seek you, or as they've just wandered along. I pray, Lord God, they'd spend some time with you and realize, wow, i got to have this treasure. I pray, Jesus, that you would draw all men to yourself. And I ask and pray all these things, Jesus, in your mighty name. Amen.